What's going on, guys? It's Jack Freeman, and we are here at the Jack of All Trades podcast in our undisclosed location overlooking the city, baby. Um, today, we got a, a guest in the building. He's a friend of mine um, and also a collaborator. He's a, um, a, a brilliant a brilliant mind, a uh, great marketing name, I mean, a great marketing um, uh, guru of sorts. Um, young guy, young creative dude that I feel like should be in every room doing all types of marketing for everyone. And uh, uh, he he holds a place in my heart because uh, he actually is the designer of uh, the packaging of my entire uh, last album, Define Love. Uh, he is, um, we do photo shoots together, we do uh, sneaker shoots together. Um, if you're on my Instagram at all and you see any of my shoe, just photos of me shooting my shoes and uh, with my fire ankles for um, for finish line, that is all Grant. Um, we talk a lot about um, his start, um, his progression into becoming who he is as a as a creator and a um, and a content guy. Um, we talk about hot sauce. We talk about. Um, uh, the Rams, as he is uh, one of the only true Rams fans that I actually know. Uh, he, We talk about black people in brunch. We talk about uh, all sorts of things, uh, like my epic story about me being accosted at a Big Sean show that he was at. So, uh, yeah, all that and more. Here on the Jack of All Trades podcast is going down. going on man this is jack freeman you are listening to the jack of all trades podcast um i'm here with my producer ryan rocket we're in our undisclosed location uh before we get started i am in chicago february 20th at the promontory the tickets are on sale right now on eventbrite and the freemanbrand.com forward slash tour and on the promontory website um february 22nd i am in new york at the city vineyard um performing live uh tickets are on sale at the city vineyard nyc.com um wait not the it's city vineyard nyc.com tickets on sale there and the freemanbearing.com forward slash tour is going down baby so today we have an actual guest this time uh last week i me and ryan talked for three hours about all sorts of things and I have no idea why so many of you listened to it and enjoyed it but I think that's what we're gonna do now like people kind of I got some good feedback on it so like every now and then I'm gonna have a guest well I'm gonna have a guest all the time and then every now and then I'm gonna just come in here and we're gonna just shoot the shit about whatever's going on at the moment 
um, seems to be pretty cool. It gives me a break from like having to try to find guests all the time. So, um, but without further ado, today we have a special guest. Um, I'll be completely transparent with you. We talked about 30 minutes on the mic earlier and none of it got recorded. So we're starting this over right now. Um, but that means I got to compliment him again. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So today my, my guest is, um, a good friend, uh, a brilliant designer, a brilliant marketing, uh, person. This is someone that I feel should be in a room as a creator for just about any and every product that you can think of where there'd be um, soft drinks or liquor or food, shoes, clothing, all of this stuff. Like he should be there. That guy should be in the room. And um, he's helped me immensely. And I appreciate him so much. He is the designer of the Define Love album cover uh, streaming everywhere. Shameless plug. Um, he does the brand and, and it's not, he just, he didn't just, he didn't just create the album cover. He did the branding and the, and the brand assets for it. And, um, he's also doing some brand assets for a new venture that I have coming up. That's, uh, um, been in the works for a little over a year now. So, um, man, I'm, I'm glad to have him here. He's carved out a little time for us. Um, we're running it back. My man, Grant Tucker. How's it going, Grant? What's going on, man? Yeah, you know, just out here. Um, <laughs> acting as if we haven't been here 30 minutes. And, Deja um, vu right now. Yeah. Like, it's it's almost like it happened <laughs> before. Like, right before that happened. So, yeah, man. So, there's so many things I want to talk to this guy about. Um, I think I want to start again with... With um, this is the only true to life St. Louis Rams fan I know. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Which also means that he's an LA Rams fan. Which also means that he's having a wonderful week right now. Absolutely amazing week right now. Um, much better than fans of a, of a certain team that can't really close it out when it matters. Southern Louisiana. <laughs> um, I think that. Um, what he's talking about, I won't, I won't, you know, I won't say any names, but he's talking about the New Orleans Saints fans. Um, it's been a rough week for you guys. You guys are signing petitions. You guys are suing the NFL. The billboards. You're putting the billboards up. Billboards in Atlanta. They put billboards up in Atlanta where the Super Bowl is being held this year. Um, I couldn't imagine having so much money that I'm just going to spend and waste so much money on like i don't think people realize how expensive billboards are billboards are not cheap they're not and it depends you know in a in a metro of that size you have to get a mock-up of the design first yes and and pay someone to do that before you can even begin to find the billboard that you want and then pay for it and then have someone put the design up on the an account an account manager at Clear Channel is having an amazing week right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So shout out to Clear Channel because <laughs> um I would love to be the I just person. wanna see what the I just wanna see what the bill looked like. That's that's it. I just wanna I just want to know how much that costs. The guy the the part the guy or girl at Clear Channel is probably sitting at the desk 
like the stripper who's taking advantage of the drunk, depressed guy in the corner that just keeps buying lap dances. Which is, you know, ironic in Atlanta. Magic City. (laughs) Magic City. And this is all taking place in a place uh, that is known for um, blowing leaves themselves in the in the um it's poetic if you in, really in, think about it yeah it's poetry you know? poetic it's you know hey but hey Todd Gurley gets to play at home that's all that matters right right <laughs> like I'm I'm totally down with that um so shout out to the uh good old Saints fans and shout out to the two uh Los Angeles slash St. Louis Rams fans that there are in the room and the or in the world um <laughs> Who's your pick? The Patriots are probably going to win. Patriots probably. I, I say that as well. Who do you uh, Who do you pick, Ryan? The Tom Brady led New England Patriots. You're going to pick the Tom Brady, but I'm I'm picking the Patriots not because I think the Patriots are going to win it themselves. I think that Marcus Peters himself is going to hand a Super Bowl trophy to the New England Patriots. I feel like we ain't done yet. <laughs> I feel like before the game is gonna is over, he's going to go up in he's the gonna stands. He's going to get ejected. He's going to go up in the stands and ask somebody where they're from. <laughs> what set they claim. He actually did that. And Marshawn's going to come out of nowhere. Because you know that's what Marshawn does. Exactly. Marshawn. Marshawn Mar- Lynch is the greatest NFL player of all time. I, I, would, I would wholeheartedly, <laughs> wholeheartedly agree with that. Like, I don't. Like yes, there's players that have played better, but Marshawn it's not Lynch. like he's a scrub. Like Marshawn Lynch is the tenth wonder of the world. He's he's a national treasure. He is. We must protect Marshawn Lynch at all costs. Like if if you haven't seen his Facebook show, the Facebook show of, with Bleacher Report is hilarious. It's I'm, one of the best things I've I'm ever. I'm really seen. mad they didn't do a second season. Yeah, it was it was really really good. It's it's a dope. Shout out to Marshawn Lynch. I met Marshawn Lynch once when I was at uh, UTEP. We went to uh, University of Buffalo to go play them for the opening week, and um, that's where he, he played, right? He he played he played for the for Buffalo Bills. Oh, his yeah. first okay. yeah, four to, or five years. Cal, right? He went to Cal. He was yeah. a Cal with Aaron Rodgers, mm. and I think Deshaun Deshaun might have overlapped in there too because he's like, like younger than Marshawn Jackson. Yeah, mm. uh, I think Aaron Aaron might be. I think Aaron's younger than Marshawn too. I believe. But how they weren't better, Marshawn Lynch, Aaron Rodgers, like I, I feel like just football is an enigma, right? Like I don't, I don't understand how Alabama players outside of like linemen or defensive people don't really do that good. Uh, Some I don't, of the running backs do. Well. I don't know what's in the water at Clemson that they just do have these receivers that are just, just putting out. It's like a factory. It's like wide receiver you. It doesn't even make sense. It's wide receiver you in Alabama right now is like running back you too. Yeah. Like if you're a five eleven, hundred and ninety five pound running back that runs a four six and you got a and you got fifteen hundred yards your senior year, Done. you can go to Alabama and come out six two, two forty five <laughs> and run a four three. You're growing. <laughs> like it's like they. It's, it's like the Nick Saban. It's like system. they put them through the uh, the Good Burger machine. You remember uh, Mondo Burger? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they put the thing and they fill them up. Yeah, like it's amazing. And all of that to say, none of the players get paid in the NF- NCAA, and they should. Um, I will forever say that. And I'll let's probably talk about say that, that, Jack. Let's talk about that because I don't. I think people that uh, that 
are new to following you don't don't understand your views on this because a lot of people a lot of people don't know that you uh played for u of h's little sister and u of uh, h's little sister is actually rice <laughs> but <laughs> but yes i went to utep i played football at utep for two years and um being inside the system you realize just how corrupt it is and how much people are being really taken advantage of young kids at that um i will forever say any chance anyone asks me if anyone in the if players in the ncaa should be paid they absolutely 100 percent should for all sports for all sports i think that the university alone um is funded on the backs of if it's a football school, the football team, and if it's a basketball school, the basketball team. Um, the best analogy I have for it is in Miami, Miami, in, in the city of Miami, Miami was a retirement city in the 60s. Mm-hmm. In the 70s and 80s, the cocaine epidemic, the cocaine economy boosted the economy so much that the skyline changed. Yeah. Buildings were erected on cocaine money. When you go to your university, your Division One A university, your new engineering building, your new uh, student center yeah. is built because the football team made $300 million in yeah. one season. On ticket sales, on revenue, on... Um, and then on top of that, they'll always raise the tuition. They will always raise tuition. Just like U of H did. U of H raised tuition, made it a tier one university, and literally hasn't won shit. Ever. Ever. In and football. I've had to hear it from you every, every single time. Every single year. They got 70, 70 points put on them by a team that threw for 80 yards in a bowl game. I didn't even know that the bowl game was on. Until I sent and it to I you. And I look down and I see five text messages from Jack Freeman. Look at this shit. 70 burger like three times. 70 burger. <laughs> Seventy, and I screenshot it so that you knew that it was real. So, but all that to say, in the NCAA, um, lots of things are afforded to to regular students that aren't afforded to uh, to the actual athlete. Like a, as a regular student at at the university, you're allowed to do work study. You're allowed to get a job to pay um, for your tuition and all that kind of stuff. Granted, yes, an athlete has a full scholarship a lot of the time if they're on the football team. Problem with that is if that guy wants to make extra money during the summer or in the off season, he can't. He's not allowed to have a job. She's not allowed to have a job if she plays on the basketball team. Um, Which is wild. It, it is. It is definitely wild. So like when the, you see those stories about the quarterback, like uh, Red Bomar from Oklahoma, who got in trouble and got kicked out of school because um, an alumni had a, um, a car dealership. And would have Red Bomar on the clock during the summer and making like ten, twenty dollars an hour and he really wasn't clocking in and doing anything like that. That's how you get those stories. And then you got the uh what was it, the kicker? It was doing the videos on oh, YouTube. From uh, Central Florida. Yeah, yeah. The guy that did the YouTube videos and he monetized his YouTube page. This is a kid that was a kicker at University of Central University of Central Florida. A kicker. He, a kicker. People don't care about kickers as it is. Yeah. He's also uh, he was similar to like a famous Los or uh, what was is, is that his name famous the the basketball comedian. Um, there's like 
You know, he's like the fillet guy, like the guy that the guys that do the basketball parodies and the and the comedy stuff like that. He did the same thing for football. Yeah. Um he monetized his YouTube page and when the NCAA found out about it, they shouldn't they they didn't shut down his YouTube page. They made him um they told him that he was no longer allowed to play football in college. And because he couldn't pay for school. And it's not like you can make that much money on YouTube. No, like YouTube is YouTube. I like I don't know the the exact statistics. You would know this better than me, but it's like it's, a million streams. Is like YouTube cuts the worst check when it comes to sprint streams. That's what I, that's what I thought. It's like YouTube is the worst, and then Apple Music, right? Apple Music is second, and then Spotify is third worst. And I think Pandora is definitely in there, like amongst the two or three worst. Mm-hmm. And then Title is like Title cuts the biggest check for streams, but has the smallest base. Has the smallest, so it evens base. out. It does, but so, it's just you know, like if for for example, like I've had I've had videos that have been half a million to a million views, right? Yeah, I think in total, not counting like affiliate revenue things like that, I think in AdSense revenue, I think I've made like a hundred and forty dollars. Ridiculous! It's wild. It's the most ridiculous thing. So you, for the NCA to, but for like for context, you don't even have to file anything on your taxes. Unless you make six hundred dollars, yeah. Like the to the government, that money doesn't exist until it's six hundred. But the NCAA is ruining this man's life because he makes one hundred and forty dollars a month. It, it's insane. It's it's the most ridiculous thing in the NCAA. If I'm if I'm hanging out with Grant in the student center and we go to Chick Fil A and I don't have any money and Grant pulls out his wallet and swipes his card for me, um, I can be um, deemed ineligible for taking an extra benefit. It's, it's that bad. It's, it's, it's like, and, and I've, you know, I was one of those people that always said, like, I don't understand why athletes think they should get paid. And, you know, I was, there was obviously things I didn't know about. And yeah. I'm, I'm very, you know, acknowledging of the fact that I will change my views on things. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, once you get more information, I think any, responsible sensical person would change their mm-hmm. views on things and you know a lot of things that that jack told me changed the way i looked at that and i was always you know like yeah you're gonna go to school for free because i was i was borrowing a bunch of money i was driving yeah. an hour but i was working right you know and i was doing stuff on the side and it was like if i you know if you think about it like the the few athletes that i know they don't even if they wanted to get a job they wouldn't have time to do it no we don't and they make it to where you don't have time to do it now i think I think it is a complicated situation because, you know, there are smaller schools that Mm -hmm. can't do that. But I think if if it's at that point, Mm -hmm. then maybe don't have programs at those schools. Right. So here's the thing. Even the small universities have um, apparel deals. Yeah. So even if your apparel deal is 500 a year, 500 grand a year, you can still pay. Yeah, guys, off just the apparel deal alone. Yeah, if you want to keep ticket sales, you can keep ticket sales. Like, there's no reason that a coach should be making twenty million dollars. Absolutely no reason why. None. Not. I can see it if the players are getting paid. Yeah, but I can <laughs> but, mean like Dave, Dave Odabo. I don't know how do you say Dabo his name. Swinney, yeah. So he was doing an interview this week talking about you know how him and Nick Saban are buddy buddy because they both live on the same island, the same the island. island. He was like, he was like, you know, I went on this island because there's nobody there. I can get away from football. And then what happens? Nick Saban buys a house on the island. We just, you know, we eat burgers and stuff. It's insane. It is. It is insane. Like I'm never really mad at coaches 
for the most part, but some of them also subscribe to the same um, problematic thing that makes it hard for players to actually get paid because they think that um, um, kids shouldn't be allowed to transfer. And, um, you know, that is kind of a weird situation. It is the worst situation. It's like, dude, any other place that you like, I've watched coaches get new jobs and their players found out on ESPN. <clears throat> Tom Herman. My, 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 <laughs> one of my best friends, his name is Gerard Black. Shout out to Gerard. Gerard played at Iowa State with Coach Gene Chizik. Coach Chizik was 5-19 and 19 over two years at Iowa State while he was there. In the offseason, they were at their apartments watching ESPN and found out that Gene Chizik was uh, leaving to go to Auburn. That's how they found out. Yeah, it's And then they caught the team meeting. Yeah. <laughs> like so it is insane to me that that college coaches can move around and take jobs and and um get more money and leave and hire an agent. All of these coaches in Division 1 college football have agents. Mm-hmm. All of these coaches have LLCs. All of them do. Mm-hmm. They all do. So when Les Miles gets fired, his agent is the one talking to these other schools trying to figure out where he that's how he can end up at a Kansas and get paid a ton of money. Yeah. That he's getting paid. Um Alabama paid off the house of Nick Saban and the car. Yeah. And he's still making what, six million a year? And has Ben's dealerships. Yes. So it's not like he he can get a car for wholesale if he right. wants to. <laughs> and so everybody's thought process is, well, he earned it. He's the coach. Well, what is the player doing? Yeah. Like, like that that doesn't make sense. So LeBron James earns his money, but Zion Williamson doesn't earn his money? Like, that, that to me doesn't make sense. They both play the same sport. Yeah. They're both making you an entire, like, an, an obsessive amount of money. I think that a lot of these coaches really believe that they should get paid, but they can't say anything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and part of the reason why a lot of it, um, falters is because players can't unionize Mm -hmm. and if players can't unionize, um, it becomes an issue and the NCAA knows that. So they make it harder for players to unionize. So a school like Northwestern, uh, who came together and unionized, um, or, or got approved to unionize, they got appealed and they lost. Mm -hmm. So they were union, they were a union for like less than a month. Mm Mm-hmm. But they tried, and that was like the first like step. In. And then the next stepping stone was when that class action lawsuit came out about EA Sports and NCAA, and EA Sports had to shell out thirty million. And I think NCAA had to shell out forty million. And basically, what that was was if you were on a video game of um, a college sports video game, March Madness, uh, uh, NCAA football were the main ones. If you were on any one of those games, you could sign that class action lawsuit and get a check. Um, which they should have been. They should have been. And I and I explained to people that you don't understand what it's like to be that person until you're me who had to scrape up $65 to go buy a video game that my name, face, and likeness was on. Yeah. That would be like telling um, – that would be like telling the, the guy who's on the cover of the Madden cover that he still has to buy the game. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's a millionaire, but he still has to buy the game. That's like telling that's like telling Magic Johnson, who owns a bunch of Starbucks, that he has to pay for his coffee when he gets there. And he might pay for his to- uh, coffee anyway. But nobody's going to say, yo, bro, you got to pay. Yeah. Like nobody's going to do that. Right. So 
Um, yeah. Um, the NCAA is a racket. It is uh, the closest thing. Well, next to it is just below the prison system as it comes to modern day slavery. And I'll take that and people can bash me all they want about that shit. But kids doing free work in every sport to me doesn't make sense. When you make $200 million, UCLA hasn't won anything in years. Mm -hmm. They have on record the highest apparel deal signed by a college sports team in the, I thought Texas had that. No. Under Armour signed oh. UCLA for $220 million. You can pay every student athlete something yeah. off of the apparel deal alone. Yeah. Before that, it was $170 million from Michigan. For Jordan, right? It was Nike first, and then Jordan came in yeah. and, and took over a lot of the stuff. Uh, UT also has, Texas has one of the highest Nike uh, apparel deals as well. And Texas Oregon, is the highest grossing program. Yes, Texas is worth their net. The football program's net worth is like one point one billion, which is wild, ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. Notre Dame is creeping up. I think they're they're at the billion. I think Alabama's at a billion. I think uh, uh, Texas A and M is pretty high too. There's something like seven eight hundred million, something like that. But um, yeah, like it, it's amazing that so much money is being made and none of these players are are. Um, getting any type of cash off of it no type of uh benefit you get a really cool jersey and a really cool sweatshirt but um it's an, it's actually an ncaa rule that i can't sell my bow ring or my jersey if i go to a bowl game because they give you a brand new jersey for your bow what are they gonna do to you now now they probably can't do anything but you should do it just because i don't we didn't make a bowl game when i was there we so should have played better. For yeah, we should have played better. We could have made a point in we 2019. Right, it was pretty terrible, actually. Oh, you're so short-sighted. Um, were you actually in a game? <laughs> was I in a game? Yeah, you yeah. mentioned picking up $63 to buy the game. Were you actually in the video game? Yeah, I was in the video game. Were you cold in it? Um, my speed was 94. Okay. And um, because I was a freshman, everything else was like 75. Which, which one was that? Uh, NCAA Football 2008, okay. and I believe I was on 2009, too. Actually, my boy um, called me one time and was like, man, I uh, I uh, played a whole season with you and I won the Heisman with you. I was like, thanks. I appreciate it. And I was it was I knew it was me. It had my name because, you know, back then you had to download the rosters and that's how you got the names instead of the numbers on there. Um, this was before PS3. Was it before PS3? 2008 was three. Yeah. It was three. Okay, so PS3 was out at the time. So you could download it on the, online and get all the, the rosters. Other than that, you just had player number 83 or player number 12 or whatever. And you could download it. And when you download, it's there, my, there I am, Jay I Freeman. just think it's amazing that you had such a high speed rating and you're never on time for anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're going there. Okay. All right. What number were you? I'm going to look that up on play. I was number 83 on okay. um, on a. Uh, um, oh, for UTEP, okay. For those two years, that was the worst number ever. Eighty three yeah, is young, terrible. Brian Quick. I'm five eight, bro. Why am I wearing number eighty three? <laughs> but now I've I've always wanted to ask you what is because we were talking about jersey numbers and just random like linemen wearing number six. Yeah, and I I never understood that. And how does that? So in college, there's no real regulation on that. I didn't know there's any regulation at all. Like so how yeah, is it? Like in in the NFL, I know for sure that there's a um. 
And I think in high school, I believe, like like linemen have to wear a lineman number. So that's why. Did you, you wear see- three digits in high school? No, only like at at like camps. Or is that like an AAU thing? It's an AAU camp thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So like in in the, in football, lineman offensive lineman numbers are like in the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies. Typically, the D line is nineties, but. They may have changed it now because I don't really see a lot of guys like big guys wearing a single digit number anymore. That used to be kind of live to me, but that was like, but also like, bro, I'm like, it just looks funny on a jersey that that's that's that big. It's you're like you're three twenty and you're number two. Yeah, like I can't imagine like somebody like uh, uh, what's his name, like like Dwayne, like Dwayne Brown wearing yes. a single number would number three. Yeah, like <laughs> so, like O linemen really, I don't think they could get away with it. And yeah. also, um, some it, there was a, there's a rule. There was a rule that um, you couldn't even go out and run a route if you had a lineman's number. So they had I this like any of this. I think in high school you had to like switch the jersey if you were going to put them in there at tight end or something like that. Like you really couldn't. Like it was a lot. It, it was it was somewhere. It's not something I could completely remember. But like in college, the problem is that there's like 115, 20 guys on there, mm-hmm. so you are easily going to run out of numbers. So you got duplicate numbers. So number two on at wide receiver is not the same number two that's playing corner, mm-hmm. and you don't really notice it until you're realizing that like there's a lot of duplicates out there because there's like a hundred guys out there, and you only got ninety nine numbers to give out. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then on top of that, you got schools that never give, that never let players wear the number one because it's all about the team and no one's one person. Like, screw you, bro. Yeah, right. It's all about the team. Pay me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the team. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the, one of the best quotes that I've ever heard from a, from a player was there's no I in team, but there is an insurance and I don't have that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Abs- and NCAA has insurance on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, like, you, but you're not allowed to get insurance unless you're going for the draft, right? Yeah, we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to like take out our own insurance policies. I don't you think. have to do it before the, like has to be after the season before the bowls, right? Yeah. What, what player, what player did that? Was a quarterback? Was it Teddy Bridgewater that did it? Probably. Yeah. Or it's probably Bridgewater. Somebody that got hurt. Was it? Willis McGahee? Somebody got hurt it in that last game. It was Willis McGahee, actually. Yeah, it was like Willis McGahee or Colt McCoy or somebody like that. Because he got hurt in the national championship. Yeah. Willis McGahee did. And Bad. so did Colt McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was somebody that just got destroyed in like their last game. And then I know Lamar Jackson was trying to do it. Yeah. It's a it's a terrible... Like in basketball now, I think um, the NCAA is allowing you to hire an agent. And if you don't get drafted... In the because there's only two rounds in basketball draft, so if you don't get drafted, you can enroll back. I think that starts like maybe next year or something like that. But um, which is which is good because I think I think a lot of times and and as much as I think college is a complete scam mm-hmm. for me at least, I feel like if you're in a creative field, yeah, I don't think you need school. I after six years of going through and graduating college, yeah, I don't think that there's anything in my life now that I would attribute to my college experience. And that's right. Maybe that's cause I was, you know, super introverted and I didn't, I didn't do yeah. any of those things, but 
you know, I commuted an hour every day. Yeah. I mean, I always say that if you're, unless you're in like academia, if you're trying to be. Unless you're like outside of STEM, like I don't see yeah. a point. If you're trying to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer. Please go to school. Yeah. For the love of God, yeah, go please, to school. Please, please go to school. But if you're going to be, if you're doing album covers. Yeah. Right. You don't need to. Because a, a lot of the times the classes you take, the equipment is so damn campy and old. Yeah. It's like. Like, is this a VHS recorder that we're using? Like when I, when I was in the art school at U of H, I was told, I was told one that I shouldn't freelance, which I had a huge problem with. I was told during orientation, like I was, and I was told that by two different schools, Mm -hmm. the Art Institute of Houston and Orient, and Mm -hmm. the, it wasn't even orientation. It was before that. It was like when you Mm -hmm. went to go visit with your family, they're like, you know, we want you to prepare and we don't want you to, they basically were saying, we don't want you to get out there and embarrass yourself. Which right. me being a cocky eighteen year old, I'm like, well, I'm already making money, so yeah. and I'm you know, going to embarrass myself. Like I was on MySpace making stuff for like Murphy Lee, in, <laughs> you know, senior year of high school. So it was like, yeah. so it was like with that, I was like, I'm not making a lot of money from that, but like you're not going to tell me I can't make money. Like right. the, the yeah. easiest way to make me mad is to tell me I can't do something before I've even shown an intent, because yeah. then I'm going to do it. Like you know me, yeah. That's the first thing that I'm going to do, yeah. And then when I go to U of H, you know, I'm there and. I'm there for three years and I'm going through all these classes. I didn't get a professor in the art school until my third year at U of H. It's, it's taught by graduate students and you have to go into this. I don't, and I don't know if it's different now, mm-hmm. but it was basically, you had to apply to be in this program called block. Yeah. And if you didn't make it, I think it was two or three times you had to switch your major. So at that uh, point you're in school for four years and you may have to switch everything. Right. And I'm in all these classes and you know, that's when I, that's when I had started SC you know, yeah. freshman year is when, uh, you know, Jay-Z was wearing my shirts and that's when Bun was helping me out a lot. Yeah. And J-Rock was wearing it on tour and I had all these people. That was when we yeah. met the first time and you, yes. you know, curved me at like two shows. And uh, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> it's cool, bro. You just like brushed me off like I was a scrub, but it's cool. It's cool. My first it's cool, time, man. <laughs> my, my very first time meeting. At numbers. My very first like real recollection of meeting Grant was, I feel like it was South by. No, it was at numbers. What was it numbers? And I don't think you ever got paid for that show. Was that that? It was. Uh, the, it was like a festival. Yeah. I think like ESG was there. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, man, God rest his soul. It was. Uh, it was Sean Price. Yeah, and, um, Sean Price and Guilty Simpson. And um, there was like six people there. Absolutely. And that was the, that was the first time I met Jack Freeman. I was like, man, I just started. I just got this camera. And you know I'm about to, and I was I was the cockiest, terrible photographer that you'd ever seen. Like yo, Jack, you going in there right now? I was like, yeah. (laughs) I had no idea who he was. I had no idea, and also I'm about to walk into one of the shittiest music venues in Houston, and and I don't know what's going on. There's, and I don't know why there's a line out here. Was there a line? Yeah, there was a line outside, but there was nobody. There was nobody inside. There was no one inside. But the line outside was—it wasn't even a real line. Yeah, I was they had with, people that were working standing outside to make them think that there was a line. I was there with Killer Kali on. Yeah, and that was—we won't get into that. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, that was that was the first time I met Jack, and that was that was a that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was like 2012, and that was right before I switched to marketing at U of H. Yes. Where so, I just went to class and didn't do anything. <laughs> so we talked in our early uh, version of the podcast that didn't get recorded uh, that 
you have an innate ability to get people to buy shit from you. So this starts at you selling hot sauce to taco trucks yes. at 12 years old, 13. On my bike, yes. So tell us about that. Run through this. So, I mean, I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't really old enough to, like, understand, you know, my mom's stress about money. And it may not even have been that bad. Yeah. Like, looking back on it now as an adult, like, like I got these bills. Like, she, she killed it. Like, yeah. my mom is amazing. You know, she did it by herself and I lived very comfortably. Like yes. I was never, I never went without and she worked her ass off. Right. hundred percent, which is part of the reason why I'm the way that I am. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, she was having some, it was something with money. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. I just got, I was just like, I'm going to go make money. She I don't know like, how I'm going to make money. You hit the streets and said, let's get this bread. <laughs> <laughs> so I started, you know, we went to Canino's on, on airline. I bought a bunch of like tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that. And I just threw everything in a blender and made the most horrid hot sauce that you've, I actually want to taste this. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. I think I literally just threw a bunch of habaneros and tomatoes in a blender. And I just like gave them that, which like, like I can eat. Habaneros are hot as shit. Like I can eat really spicy food, but like yeah. I, I didn't, have the mental capacity to understand that like you shouldn't touch habaneros and like I was rubbing all over my eyes eyes and my forehead and like where like rubbing rubbing a handful like you just been doing all this stuff with habaneros you rub it on the back of your neck and you walk outside in Texas in August yeah it's it's not a it's not a good look like I still have like the marks from how bad I got sunburned (laughs) <laughs> like on my neck like I have a permanent like discoloration on my neck and y'all have the nerve to tell us y'all was in Egypt not me <laughs> you never seen me make this argument ever man <laughs> man but you know that was that was the first that was the first I guess like foray into business is I sold hot sauce to taco right. trucks before yeah. we bought lawnmowers you and got one taco truck and then you started getting the yeah one taco, taco truck trucks. no it was just it was just the one okay and oh, then you- uh, they stopped buying it I think they just felt bad for us. Cause like when I'm saying that they were paying us, like they weren't paying us. Like I was getting maybe $10 and two tacos. Right. Like I, I mean, wasn't, that's solid enough. I mean, but that's like, that's like money, right? Yeah, when you're currency. like, when you're a kid, tacos you know, currency. like I still remember we we mowed our first lawn, right? I got my first check. First check I ever got was for $35. Oh yeah. And I was like, fuck it. We're going to Sonic. I took everybody's like, I'm paying. I blew $35 to Sonic. First check I ever made. I blew it on food. <laughs> Which, if you know me, is not surprising. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So, I mean, because I'm very willing to spend a lot of money on food. On food, yes. That's one thing. And it's that very Grant apparent when you food. see me that I will spend a lot of money on food. Not, but, not so much anymore. <laughs> not as much anymore. You lost I'm, a lot of weight. I'm getting, I'm getting it together. But Before you, know. you looked like Static Selector. Oh, <laughs> no, there's a, there's a picture. Actually, I got it as a, as a Facebook memory this morning. There's a picture where I look identical to Static Select. And that was like, <laughs> and I remember it at Nice Kicks at South by Southwest, I ran into him and like Zeke was walking around and uh, since the 80s and he was, he was walking around and he was like, oh, I, I was just like fucking with you before, but y'all like for real, for real twins. Yeah. And, and y'all look like, you look like if Static Selector and Jonathan Mannion had a, a child. He was at that party. <laughs> and I was just like, and like Jonathan Mannion, it, 
if if you don't know who Jonathan Mannion is, he's, he's probably one of the, the greatest. One of the greatest photographers of all time. He's responsible for many of your favorite hip hop images. Yeah, all the Jay Z stuff, all the Eminem, Jay-Z. everything. He's incredible. Yeah. And very, very good dude. Like when I got into photography and I was super cocky, like yeah. it was the only person that I was like nervous to talk to. And he like followed me on Twitter and like went through my whole portfolio and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and look, yeah, look, bro. He he had a kinship. <laughs> is that? Dog, yeah. I can't tell. So Ryan, you know who Static Selector is. You know what he yeah. looks like, right? Look at Grant. That's, that's 300 pound yeah, grant right there yeah I see it yo <laughs> that is hilarious you look that so is, depressed too man I mean that's just my aesthetic <laughs> like, you know Grant hates everything like everybody will see me and they're like why are you so mad like I just look like this man like, yeah. like, I'm like, not I'm, angry I'm good I'm I'm so happy right now <laughs> but uh but yeah like getting getting back to it though I mean after you know the the lawnmower thing uh you know we we got rid of that and I moved um my mom, you know, started making better money and we moved to the Woodlands. We didn't move to like a super nice part of the Woodlands. Like we still lived in like a pretty crappy apartment. To a deluxe apartment in the sky. <laughs> but it was like, but it was the nicest house that I had ever lived in, right? piece of the past. <laughs> <laughs> so in, uh, I don't think it like for the remainder, like middle school, I wasn't really, I wasn't really doing anything, but, and then like all through high school, I wasn't really doing anything because I was super shy and stuff. Yeah. And I got my first job when I was 15 mm-hmm. at Hart's Chicken. And if you've All ever been rolls. to Hart's Chicken, you know that the only thing worth doing there is just eating a bunch of rolls and hot wings. Other yeah. than that, like you should probably leave. It's probably health. I saw leeches coming out of the drain when I worked there. Oh, hell no. And they paid everybody in cash except for me. And I went in one day. I was like, I want more money. Because I was making I was making five I was making five dollars an hour. So that's when minimum wage was like five fifteen. So I was yeah. making less than minimum wage at fifteen. And I was like, there's just so many things that are illegal about this. Yeah. So like I'm gonna try and get a check, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm a man that likes to seize an opportunity, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you know I went in, obviously didn't get a raise, so I quit. Yeah. Um, I started have. I started working at Kroger, and I would uh, I would convince like snotty rich people that there was a there was a direct to car service. Wow. So tipping is not encouraged at Kroger, right? But I was like, I don't want to be up here in the front of the stores. I'm just going to convince all these people that I'm like a concierge, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you can call it scamming. You can call it entrepreneurship. You can call it whatever you want. But yes. it was cool. And then, you know, I got in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. So I got, I was a janitor at 16 at Kroger. I quit that. I went back a couple weeks after I quit. And there was this kid that was just always running his mouth. Like we got in a fight. I got banned from the store. Mm-hmm. I go work at Walmart. Which is, I just, like, I went from Hearts Chicken, or I went from mowing lawns mm-hmm. to Hearts Chicken to Kroger as a janitor, yeah. scrubbing toilets, to Walmart, to a call center. So it's just like, and I worked at, I worked at a, a call center in, in uh, right outside of Greenspoint, yeah. all through college. And that's, you know, when we started doing stuff together. And that place was cool because I could just steal a bunch of time. Yeah. And, you know... I worked for Best Buy. I would be on the chats just like closing them out all day. And I would work overnight. So like I worked for social media at at Best Buy. So I would just like edit pictures under my desk. And then I would try to like send out proposals because I like wanted to travel. And that's when I started doing stuff with G-Pen and everything else. And I would just make up all these excuses to travel as much as I could. And you know, that was, and this is like, 
you know, kind of skipping over the whole selling shirts thing, but, um, basically, you know, that was, everything is like a, a progression, right? It's yeah trying to see what, what I can do next. Yeah. And that's always been, that's always been my thing. So into that, like you decide one day, I don't know if it's in your room, you just decide I'm going to start selling shirts. There was a specific reason I started selling shirts. What was the specific reason? Because, and it, it has to do, it kind of relates to Hearts Chicken. <laughs> so, you know, I got, I got the job at Hearts Chicken. It came to me in a dream. No, so, I mean, everything, like, when people say everything happens for a reason, like, I don't think that they really think about, like, the timeline and the things that affected the decisions that got them to the point where they're at the right now. The divine order of things. Right. Yeah. So, my thing was, is I was like, man... So I had, I ended up getting acne so bad from Hearts Chicken um, that it carried over and it just got worse and worse and worse. That's terrible. And when I was a janitor, it didn't make it any better because I was just around all the dirt and stuff all day. Yeah. And then when I was hiding from the janitor, there was this cool, there's this lady that I was cool with in the deli who would just like slide me fried chicken all day. Yeah. So, so it's just see, like, you know, yeah. like fried chicken shaped my life for like, <laughs> you know, two years. Which is why we had a 20 minute conversation last week about Gus's while I was in Gus's. Yeah. Incredible place for a chain, and indeed, Gus's is wonderful. We keep going, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I had acne so bad, and I was already introverted and really shy because, like, I've always been like really self conscious about my teeth and everything. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really talk, and I was like, I feel like, like you know, there was always those kids that are like, well, I wanted to draw because people like to talk to kids that draw, and I was like, that's cool, but like, I want girls to talk to me though. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm I'm gonna sell these shirts because I know if I sell these shirts and like I start getting attention for selling shirts, you know, I'm gonna have all these girls or whatever, which it didn't work out that way no, at, all. at all. Like the ones that I got are like solid three and a halves. <laughs> and it was it was But it's a start. It was a start, you know. It's like it's like it's like lawn, mowing lawns for thirty dollars a week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you know I I decided that I was gonna do that because you know, I, I thought that I thought that the designs that I had were really good. Looking back, they were really, really bad. But it was at that at that point, like I was so dedicated to like learning Photoshop and things like that. that yeah. Like I was almost ready to, to get a master certification in Photoshop when I was like fourteen. Wow. Because it was a lot. It was a lot more pared down. And like now, I couldn't do it, and I right. use it every day. Yeah. But um, you know, back then, like I was close. Like I I could have got it if I really tried. Yeah, Photoshop back then was probably very basic yeah like and it was it could still do a lot like it was i started with uh with photoshop 7 Mm -hmm. so it was it was way back i think now it's on 2019 so it's like 10 or 12 versions past that yeah and i've been using it you know every day since high school so um you know i thought there's an opportunity i was like you know i didn't really understand business but i had like a rough idea of you know if i spend four dollars on this shirt because that's when gildan shirts were cheap before yeah. you know kanye decided he was a genius yeah and uh <laughs> i was like i can get these shirts you know i can get 100 shirts for 330 dollars, like one color white shirt mm-hmm. rip off tags i can't print the tags but i'll get like a rubber stamp or something mm-hmm. right and because i was like you know mark echo did this yeah. you know damon john did this yeah <laughs> you know like i could do this like their stuff's not they ain't that nice yeah right it's way nicer than i was it's nicer than me <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you know like that's what i'm saying like i was super cocky for no reason yeah and now looking back, it's like very cringy thinking about how I used to be. But I feel like, you know, everybody should realize how annoying they were as a child. Yeah. And I think I was a child until I was like 21. 
Makes so sense. it was, and I and I will wholeheartedly admit that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I think that's a, a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a reason that I can look at things a lot more objectively now. But you know, back then it was just like I could spend three hundred thirty dollars if I sell all these shirts, I'll make two grand, which I just thought was the greatest thing in the world. Right. And it's like now it's like, well, that doesn't even get my laptop, right? right. So it's it's like nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. And but back then, like that was a crazy amount of money. And like the first the first day that we had the shirts girls started talking to me and stuff like all the popular girls were like oh you're doing this you're doing that oh, you and i was shirts? like yeah you know i'm just I got these shirts you know about you <laughs> yeah you want one like i'll give you one yeah so i didn't make as much money because i was just trying to giving give, away shirts give to shirts to all these girls that are all like you know married and racist now so yeah the woodlands <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> but you know they that was a, a big thing that i that i did and i think it i think it taught me a lot and that the shirts the first company was called 32 clothing and that was because I had been at Greenspoint mall one day and there was a store in Greenspoint mall called Iceman airbrush. That was right next to Iceman jewelry. Right. And this dude that owned it was named Blanco. This big dude with braids and he had, it was an airbrush shop and he was selling fake babes, but I thought they were real. This is like Jibs and Soldier Boy were like the yeah. That was about to say he was he was selling the Soldier Draco Boy. Draco was before his time. Yeah, yeah which, I got me some bathing apes. Exactly, which was an and amazing they song. Bathing apes that he had. They yeah, were, they weren't. They were. They were fapes. They were. <laughs> they were fapes. They were. <laughs> they were dirty monkeys. <laughs> is what he had on. But yeah, I mean that was like chips. the time you know like with the Vizu jeans and like the red monkey jeans and. Yeah. It was a uh, terrible time. I can't man. even remember this. I can't even remember the name of the store that was next to in, in 2009 to 2008 was the worst dress time in all of a, in all of the world. But in like 15 years, it's going to be on Twitter. And they're going to be like, man, I miss when we dress like this. And like, no, and I'm gonna shut be like, up, bro. That, that fit was trash. Super. Like with the, all the patent leather, big trash. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I went there. Jordans. <laughs> so my mom would take me, my mom would take me up to, to Greenspoint mall. Cause she worked right next to it. Yeah. And she, uh, she would take me up there and I would be there during the day and he would have me designing stuff in like Microsoft publisher, which I don't even know how to use. He was literally taking clip art off the internet and he was selling the shirts for like a hundred dollars. And I was like, I mean, if people are stupid enough to pay that, that's on them. Yeah. But you know, he went, he was like, I got this line that I want to design. It's called Iceman clothing. And I was like, that's not a dumb name, but okay. Yeah. So I went home and I was like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to do a line. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what to do for a name though. And he was like, ice 32. Exactly. That's my whole, th- I thought I really figured it out. Right. Yeah. Until a year later I get a, I get online and I see that 32 footwear is a massive multinational snowboarding company. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well there goes all my dreams of being a famous fashion designer. <laughs> I'd released like three shirts. Yeah. And they were all terrible. There goes my uh, dreams of being Alexander McQueen. Exactly. <laughs> and then that was when like me and uh, my partner, Ray, we were, we were talking about it and I don't know what it came up, but it was, uh, he said simply complicated. And I just thought that was like the coolest name ever. Yeah. And I don't care what anybody says. I had that first Demi Lovato can cut me a check for taking all of the search results now. Cause that's what our YouTube thing's called. But what? Her whole thing is called Simply Complicated now, which is really annoying, but whatever, I did it first. But the, uh, you know, that was the, the start of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was the start of that in high school. And then like in uh, freshman year of college, Jay-Z wore it. Um, J-Rock was on tour with uh, Kendrick and he wore it. 
um bun b was helping me out a lot this is the j j rock first album no no because j rock was out way before kendrick was so it was like it was i don't know what time it was for j rock but it was like a highly dedicated time for kendrick overly overly dedicated okay or overly dedicated yeah and uh so it was like him and q were touring Mm -hmm. and i think you know that was that was around the time that we met as well because they had to show it um the studio warehouse live yeah and that was when things started like fizzling out for me because everybody only wanted the shirt that jay-z wore that yeah. one shirt and i was like yeah. if i just give people more designs like i'll i'll sell it because they they like me they don't like yeah no, and that was you know like that was a life shirt. lesson yeah so uh you know they they only wanted that and i ended up losing a bunch of money and i was like okay well i got to figure out how to like market this thing and i didn't know anything about marketing mm-hmm. i didn't know anything about sales because i didn't because i it's it's kind of a crazy contrast to now because I didn't understand sales and I was like, I don't ever want to do sales. And like now it's like, I don't really feel like doing the work. Like I'll go sell it though. Right. But even then I'm just like, and then I start selling and I'm like, I don't really want to do this. I'll just go back to my dark room and work on things. Yeah. But um, back then it was like, you know, Ray can sell everything. And like, he wasn't, he wasn't really selling anything because we didn't really have anything to sell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were, we were losing a lot of money. Like most of the money that I was making was going to this and it was like, I was borrowing money from people and I was like, I was using student loans to buy shirts with like a lot of, like a lot of my student loan debt is from trying to sell t-shirts. And that's why I'm like, I'm not, I can't really be mad at that because that was a decision that I made Yeah, and I accept that. And that was part of the learning process. But you know, that was something that I, that I went through. And after we did that, I was like, well, I feel like if I shoot concerts, like I could have a blog. So like I was like the hundreds did it so I could do it. Cause yeah. you can see a pattern here of like, yeah. I'm thinking I can do things that people that know way more than me do. Right. And Alicia, yeah. uh, Alicia um, Tillman. Tillman. Yeah. Shout, shout out, out to, Alicia. shout out to Alicia. She snuck me in to the big Sean show at the house of blues in the in restaurant, the restaurant, in the restaurant and snuck my camera in so she took it in with her because the security guard wouldn't let me in because mm-hmm. the security guards at house of blues are notoriously annoying yes and uh she snuck me in i had no place to shoot so i stood on top of one of the uh the booths yeah. while ray held the light out of the way mm-hmm. and it was uh i think less was at that show less was we were um yeah you were um, you weren't a robe for some reason i was not wearing a robe it was there was robes involved and i wasn't wearing a robe it was like it was like you and then I, there was robes. It was like either it was white robes. Eve I remember might have been wearing a robe. There was robes, involved. something like that. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't me. I actually have my own story about this, but continue because I'm going to tell mine. <laughs> but you know that was that was when I started shooting shows, and then um, the next week I shot Wu Tang at Numbers. Um, got hit with a Hennessy bottle by Law of the Dark Man, <laughs> and. After that, you know, it was the the third and fourth show that I ever shot was a uh, third one was was Kendrick Lamar, yeah. the fourth one was was Mac Miller, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. I was and there. it was Before it was an amazing show. One of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. Yeah, yeah, man, really good guy. Really hate. I can't listen to swimming right now. Yeah, it's it's hard. I cannot listen to that album. It's really hard for me to listen to that album. But um, you know, that was when I kind of decided that. I didn't really need to do the shirt thing anymore. So let's rewind real quick. I have a um, 
story about that big baton show. This is 2012. It is the very first time Big Sean was ever in Houston. Houston. It was a Scoremore show. Very um, beginning Scoremore. The very beginning of Scoremore. And somehow Scoremore found a way to piss off Live Nation. <laughs> which is really funny now. Yeah. They just got bought by Live Nation, which is awesome. <laughs> that I didn't know. Yeah, How much did he get bought by? For a lot of money. But it, it happened like last summer. Like they they merged with Live Nation. Uh, I think maybe okay. They're doing festivals now. Yeah, the, yeah, Sasha yeah. and Claire are out here. Yeah. So Sasha was like maybe twenty twenty one when I when this was going on. This is Big Sean's first time in Houston. Um, the nice guys who was um, if you know anything about me, I started off doing features with a group called the nice guys from Houston. Um, shout out to them. They're all, they're broken up, but they're all kind of doing their own thing and being great and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we go to sound check. Uh, <laughs> this is, um, um, nowadays. Now I think what I'm going to start doing by the way on this podcast is I realize that I have a lot of good stories, a lot of funny ass stories. And a lot of people probably think I'm lying when I tell these stories, but so I'm going to try to tell one every show in some type of way. So this is my story for the week. <laughs> so somehow they found a way to like piss off Live Nation or just the House of Blues in general. They would not give them a great venue to perform at. Like so basically this room could have easily this could have easily been in the Bronze Peacock room upstairs. Like the the three hundred seater, like it really could have been that that show. Wasn't big enough to be in the main hall, which is like 1500, 2000 or something like that. It was only big enough to really be in the Bronski. Well, they pissed off somebody so bad that they put that concert in the restaurant on the first floor of House of Blues. If you've been to House of Blues, any House of Blues, you know that there's a restaurant on the first floor of the House of Blues with a stage about as big as like a coffee table. And it is a terrible place to hold a concert. But they had the currency concerts there for the longest time. Yes, because they kept pissing off Live Nation <laughs> in some type of way. I think it was something about ticket sales. Gotcha. Like they were, like ticket sales were on Live Nation or on going through Live. But I think they might have had like a an Eventbrite or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, in in Scoremore's <clears throat> defense, I've I've seen how Live Nation runs that place. It's not the most efficient thing on the planet. It's a it's a um they they. They're different to deal with. I'll yeah. say that. So we go to this show. We show up for sound check. We're in the restaurant. And uh, this guy, I remember like it was yesterday. He's from um, Minneapolis. And I don't know. He was with uh, Los. Remember Los? Los Cosby. Oh, yeah. I remember that dude. So he was with this. He was with them. And this guy goes, uh, Los was like talking to us. And um, I don't remember what Los Cosby did. Was he like a blogger? I think so. Yes, he's a blogger. This is when blogging was just like everybody had a fucking blog. And so um, he said, so like we're, we're, we speak to Los or whatever. And I don't really know Los that well, but I see him around a lot. So we speak. And this other guy's like, yo, so, uh, so y'all performing? 
I say, yeah. He's like, uh, it's like so, you know. I was like, yeah, that, um, those are the nice guys. We're getting ready to do a sound check. Oh, y'all the nice guys. Okay, bet. Like, that's what's up, man. Like, yeah, yeah man, I, 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 I fucks with y'all. And he's like, um, he goes, uh, yeah, so uh, I rap too. I was like, yeah, okay, that's what's up. Which is always and, a good way to introduce yourself. Yeah. And so he tells me and Todd, yo, like, if you got time, I, we go outside. I spit a 12. I got a 12. And so we were like, eh, no, nah, we got to get the sound check. I don't know. Uh, we're going to go now. And he's like, I, I bet for sure. Like, you know, have a good sound, you know, all that kind of shit. He's like, I got a 12, though, whenever you're ready. And I'm like, nah, we're not going to do the 12. And so he says, um, um, he goes, um, so we, we, we do the sound check. Um, mind you, we're in the restaurant, which means that there's no backstage area, which means that we are all in what looks like an overflow closet. Oh, that private that private dining room back that there. That private dining room that had like. So did you see when I had the shirts all laid out on the? I do the remember thing? when you had the shirts laid yeah. out. Yes. <laughs> so I go back there and it's like Slim Thug and um, Lil Flip. And then there's Big Sean, and then there's like Bun B, and then there's Mr. Rogers. And so I go back, and this guy is the same guy. Is like, uh, he goes, um, he's like rapping to everybody. <laughs> he's like rapping to Rogers. And like, if you don't know, Mr. Rogers is like, he's a good guy, but when you annoy Mr. Rogers, he doesn't have a good way of showing. He doesn't have like his face and his response to you isn't pleasant. And I'm perfectly okay with that because if you're annoying him, you're fucking annoying. And he was annoying the shit out of him that day. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hit me up, bro. And he's like rapping so aggressively. I'm like, bro, you're from Minneapolis. Like you're not even from East. I don't even know where you got this East Coast accent from. <laughs> And so Roger's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. And so he just like walks away and he just like disappears. So then he turns around and he sees Bun. And he's like rapping in Bun's ear. Like just going, going, going. I'm like, what the fuck's going on right now? I don't understand. <laughs> so um, Bun like walks away. So yeah, he's just like walking around. He's just like looking for somebody to annoy. And then he makes eye contact with me again. <laughs> So I'm sitting there and I'm eating my uh, my enchilada from from uh, Guadalajara, and um, he. I like how you remember your enchilada. You know, I was so hungry that day. I was so <laughs> hungry. I hadn't eaten all day. So he walks over to me and goes, "Yeah, so uh, so yeah, man. So you know, I'm I'm trying to you know we gotta go to the studio one day. I was like, yeah, you know, um, Los got my number. You just yeah, but I need that for me though." I said, yeah, he he got it, man. Like he said, yeah, I'm trying to go like after after the show, like like we're trying to go like right now, like after the show. <laughs> like what? No. I'm like, I mean, just look, man, just hit him up. So then he leans over to me, and his face is like on my, you know how like you might be 
spitting game to this chick and you like might be giving her bars. He's right there face to face with me, like on like temple to temple, and he whispers in my ear, Yo, fam, I do anything to get on, son. <laughs> So, you remember Boudreaux? That's what you get for going to the gym so much. You set yourself up for I this. wasn't working out then. <laughs> I was skinny as shit then. Like, I hadn't worked out in three years, three, four years. Hadn't done anything. I was so skinny. The I was way you were dressed, bro, you were asking for it. Bro, I had a t-shirt on. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yo, I'd do anything to get on, son. So, you remember, uh, you know Boudreaux? Yeah. Boudreaux's facing me, and I looked him dead in the eye. And he just is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so now he's just like, yeah, I, I do, bro, I do anything to get on, son. Like, I'm just trying to get on. Like, mind you, I had been doing music all of two years. I don't know what on you mean because I'm not even on. <laughs> like, at this moment, Bun is still not even acknowledging me. And we've been in the same room for a year now. Yeah. All the time. Like, I can't even get Bun to just say hello to me. Yeah. So I don't know what you're saying to me right now. <laughs> I said, look, got you. Hellos. All right, all right, cool. So he goes off and we don't know where he where he goes or whatever. And he I go to the bathroom after I finish my enchilada from Guadalajara. <laughs> and um I'm in the I'm at the at the urinal. And he's in one of the stalls on the phone. The, the guy, I hear him in the, yo, these niggas out here, they don't want to fuck with me, son. Like, why don't nobody fuck with me, man? I'm just trying to get on. But he's like crying. Crying. So I'm peeing and I'm like, the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> so then he gets out and I guess he like sees me and he's like, <laughs> you know, like, and kind of like walks out with the with the ice grill. And then I don't see him anymore, but what I hear after that is that he goes out into the crowd and then he gets into a fight with somebody and he gets kicked out of the show. But, um, yeah, that was the first time I'd ever had a an interaction with someone who was that thirsty to get on. And he gave me the, yo, I'd do anything to get on. Son. I never saw that guy again. I, wouldn't, I couldn't pick him out in the lineup. Uh, it was the worst situation of my life. So, um, cause I believe you got kicked out of that show, right? I got kicked out of the currency show. Out of the currency show. Okay. Yeah. Somebody dropped a black amount on my foot and they, uh, kicked me out for smoking and then left all my gear was inside. Yeah. So they wouldn't let me back inside. So I had to go to lucky strike. Cause he was like, you want to get back inside? It's going to be $50. I was like, I didn't even pay to get in in the first place. Yeah. No and I go to lucky strike runs my account like four times and the guy still doesn't try to let me in. So then somebody came and got me, but that was, that was horrible. Yeah, it was a terrible time. <laughs> so um, you get into photography, you decide that you don't need to make shirts anymore, and now you are kind of creating a space for yourself to be um, um, in, I don't even know what you call yourself. Like, I don't, I wouldn't even say like you are like a marketing uh, specialist or anything like that, but I would, I, like, I don't even know what you would Cause like you do something that's very unique in a way that you kind of have to give yourself a, a name, I would say. I don't even know what it's would be considered. That's the bad part. 
So, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of different things. So before you go, tell us about PCH and what, how that comes about and what, you know, how that brings you to now. Uh, so, so PCH is a, it's a small agency here in, here in Houston. Um, and it got started, um, with me and my partners. It was early 2016. I was doing a, a shoot with a, with a local guy named T2. And right as soon as we got done, right as soon as we got done shooting, uh, we were going to load everything in and I didn't think there was anybody else there. Yeah. And I'd left my trunk open and they got my bag. They got everything like my hard drives, all of that. I remember that. It was horrible. supposed to shoot like the next day or something like that. Yeah. And the previous, and the previous day I had shot some stuff for my now partner, Daniel, who's, um, some real estate stuff mm-hmm. and lost all that work. And I called him and I'm telling everybody and my other partner who was my, my boss at the time, I was like, I'm, I lost everything. Mm-hmm. Like I lost my drives. I lost it all. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened. Like they stole my stuff. Like I can't get any of the tracking to work. Like I can't do it. Yeah. So I'm stressing out thinking my whole life's over. Like HPDs hung up on me three times when I tried to file the report. Yeah. Cause I didn't have serial numbers. That happens to me too. Like I, I HPD just hates stolen. everyone. Yeah. HPD so it's horrible. But they, uh, the ne- very next day, Daniel bought me a camera, which is not like a small purchase. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about like a $3,000 camera here. Right. And, um, that same day, like my mom opened up like a, a Best Buy credit card and let me borrow the money to to buy a new laptop, right? Which was twenty five hundred dollars, right? So for everything for everything that you need on a computer, yeah, you can't just get the base model, yeah, because it's just it's just gonna kill the computer in a couple months, right? So you know that was I, I started out in a in a big hole and I was trying to work out of it because I was at that time, like I had just finished a, a project with, uh, with tuba. Mm-hmm. We had been working on that, that Nike thing. And, uh, it was just like a, I guess it was like an internal marketing project or something right. like that. We were just going around Houston shooting stuff for some internal, it was literally just for like a pitch deck is what we were shooting for. Yeah. Not anything that anybody ever saw. Yes. Um, or stuff that I posted and they have no idea what it was for. Yeah. But, uh, you know, fast forward, Eight months later, like the whole deal with Daniel was, you know, I'm going to shoot for him for a year for free, yeah. which I have no problem with because, you know, he, he saved my ass mm-hmm. and, you know, Chris and Chris has always looked out for me and it's, it was, I was working for him, um, at his company and I didn't really think that I was getting where I needed to be. And I was starting to freelance a lot and it got to the point where I was working with Daniel so much that I wasn't focusing on like my actual job, but I wasn't making mm-hmm. enough money to support myself. Yeah. And somehow, some way, you know, the, I just felt that it would be the best idea for us to, you know, team up on something, um, which is, was late 20, it was late 2016, early 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we started working for it and I officially stopped working, um, for Chris in June of 2017. Yeah. Um, and since then, you know, it's been working, um, on PCH. Still don't have a website or anything cause we just keep getting so busy that I can't finish things, which is, I guess it's a good problem to have, but it's an annoying problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> cause you know, the business can only grow so much and, um, 
you know, that things are like that are changing now, but it's, you know, the clients that we've been able to work with our very first thing that we did, we worked with a uh, new era for the Super Bowl when it was in Houston, mm-hmm. which was a very, very hard three days of work. Um, okay. uh, lots of finish line stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the finish line stuff has probably driven a lot of my work personally. Right. Um, me and you became much better friends because of it. Yep. Um, you know, finish line, um, just finish some stuff with Under Armour and Fila and things like that. I think I've started to carve out like my own style with that, I guess, mm-hmm. that people are attributing things to me that I don't really think I did. But Well, I'll say, you won't say it, <laughs> but a lot of you guys that work for brands are literally stealing styles from Grant. And I've seen it. Like, <laughs> you're stealing styles from him and not doing it as well. Like very, very sort of like some of the stuff that you might see on Instagram from like certain companies. It like you can actually throw a rock and just hit a company, <laughs> hit a shoe company, and somebody's doing something that can only be attributed to the person that I saw doing it first the entire time. And you're not doing a very good job of it. So stop doing that, <laughs> even though you won't, because you're terrible at what you do (laughs) but um but yeah like i've seen a lot of stuff that you've put forth as far as you know shooting shoes and apparel and stuff like that and looking up and it's just being ripped up and i can tell that it wasn't you because i know you so and i know that you get a lot of dms that are like did you like did you do this like if this I DM it to you, I'm like, look at this shit. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'll get like a lot of people and it's, and it's, it's weird because like at the end of the day, it's just shoes. I don't care about shoes. Right. I'll, I'll be the first person to tell you that I don't care at all about shoes. Like I destroy them. Mm-hmm. Like if I get shoes, I wear them. Sure, they last. You gotta give them to me when we shoot them. Exactly. So, I mean, like I get a lot of shoes for free. Yeah. So like I go, th- I don't treat them the same cause I didn't have to pay for them. Right. But it's, you know, the whole purpose of me doing these things is because i think that there's a lot of you know like growing up gives you a lot of perspective right mm-hmm. and i think that me being like a, a bratty teenager all the way up until you know my 20s yeah and i would say up until probably three or four years ago yeah like that that recently yeah like i i don't know what changed that made me see like how annoying i was mm-hmm. and how um cocky i was for no reason because i had never accomplished anything yeah but it's i think it's given a lot of perspective and i think that the things that that i'm doing and like i'll be the first person if you ask me how to do something like i'm gonna tell you how to do it right like and that's the only reason that i don't think a lot of people are necessarily stealing because i am putting it out there on how i do things because the way i look at it with me being a competitive person if i tell you how to do something and by chance you do it better than me I'm going to go further than that. Like right. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and like let somebody do what I'm doing better than me. Right. Some of you guys are still stealing. Uh, <laughs> there has been a couple times where it's, it's been, been, it's dramatic, been pretty blatant, drastic rip off, which is fine, but like to yeah. pay me or something. And, and I would, um, and we'll, we'll get your socials at the end so that you can like a lot of creators out there that are looking to do design work and are looking to, um, to, like photography stuff and lighting and all that kind of stuff. Like this guy's really good at it. And he also gives a lot of information on how to do it. And, uh, does tutorials. You have a YouTube page now, right? 
Yeah, I never updated though. You never updated. I did like like a tutorial because it takes me so long to explain things because I don't do. You've you've been at one of my shoots before. Yes. These you've tried these to explain I, concepts to me on the on the phone, and I'm like, I don't even know how you went this ten minutes and thought I was going to understand it. <laughs> but but usually the things that happen happen on the spot. Right. So it's not something that I can explain because it's not. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought of it until I've done it. And you didn't plan it out. So like when you did it, you just were like, how did I do it? So then you have to go back and try to exactly. figure out how you So then I just sound like, I just sound like an idiot. So what would you say to uh, guys trying to get into this type of work, the type of work that you do, um, you know, starting out? Like what 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 is your first set of advice for them to always remember? As far as like just in – a creative field period just in this creative field kind of doing what you do photography you know uh marketing branding all that kind of stuff like would you i think i think you need to have a good understanding of business and i think you need to have um and that's not to say that i know a ton about business like i think i know considerably more than a lot of people mm-hmm. um but like i'm obviously i don't think i'm i don't think i'm successful yet mm-hmm. i think i'm on the right path to that but i don't think it's it's there yet and i think that understanding the context of the space that you're in mm-hmm. is all that matters. Right. Because all you need to do is you need to understand the context of the space that you're in. And you need to understand the tools that you're using. Cause like I'll, I'll, you know, have it, we'll have an event or something and we'll hire somebody for it and I'll talk to them about it. And it's like, they don't know what they're doing and it's like mm-hmm. the simplest thing. And it's like, I can't expect people to, to, obsess over things like mm-hmm. i do so mm-hmm. like when the way that i learn things is not a normal thing like I, I bounce all over the place like since you've known me you've seen how many things i've i've picked up because i can never focus on one thing mm-hmm. which is a gift and a curse because if i could focus on one thing i could probably be you know very successful with that one thing right um but i i bounce around a lot and i know that it's it's hard to work with people that focus on one thing but they're not really dedicated to that one thing right and i'm talking about lightroom photographers Mm. that you know they see these they see these instagram guys or they see these youtubers right and they want to emulate everything they do and i don't think there's any problem with emulation whatsoever Mm. like truth be told a hundred percent of my concepts for the most part so i don't say a hundred percent i'd say like 90 percent of my concepts come from food commercials Mm. so it's all about you know, I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it talks about how creative success is all about pattern matching mm-hmm. and it's, it's finding a void and, and filling that void in another space. Right. Right. So you have, you know, if you're just talking metaphorically in a, in a business context, right. If you go to South by, you have people that are like these startups that are just so misguided that they don't understand what they're doing. So they're like, I'm the Uber of this. Right? Yeah. How many restaurants have you seen that just because they do fast casual, like it's like it's like Chipotle, but for this? Yeah, because they don't want to be their own person, right? That's the same as like a photographer just going and using a bunch of presets. And I'm gonna act like I don't sell presets, right? Because presets are a good way to learn, right? Right. But presets are not something you rely on. Right. And it's like photographers will ask me all the time. They're like, "Well, how did you do this? What app did you use?" Like, I don't use an app. Like, I use a lot of different tools. Right. Like, I have I have a good understanding of a lot of different tools. Use a long form version to kind of get what you want out of something. Yeah. And people think that it takes you 10 minutes to do it. And sometimes it does. Like, yeah. And some of the stuff that we've done that's been the most, 
like widely shared work that I've done. I think my top, so my top three posts on Instagram, right? I think one is, I had one today hit 7,000 views, which is the most I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, had like one that was like 5,000, another one that was like 4,000. Mm-hmm. Like comparatively, not that great in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Compared to a lot of people that are doing just way, way more, especially with sneakers. Mm-hmm. But those things, those only took me 15 minutes to do. Right. Like I shot it on the first try, right? Mm-hmm. And I edited it that quick. But it's everything that led up to that is the reason I was able to do that so quick. Grant overthought so much on my <laughs> album cover. I did his album we, cover, his final album cover in like seven minutes. Yeah, that when we actually got <laughs> to do the vid, when he actually sat down to actually do it, he was like, huh, this might be pretty cool. And the shoot that we did, we used one of those pictures for the back cover and you can hardly see it unless you're really looking hard at it. Yeah. Because that's the way he did and it was dope. But like the front cover was from a video, a photo shoot that we did. Finish line. For finish line. And it wasn't even a serious photo. It was like a joking photo. Yeah, it really was. So. But it's, but I mean, that goes to say that a lot of it is not, I'm not the kind of person that is going to give the the best advice because I don't take the same path. And a lot of times I'll mess up a lot and I'll restart a lot. Like I restarted on your album cover 15 times. Yeah. The stuff that we're doing for your other project started over on it repeatedly to the point where I even forgot I was supposed to be doing it for like months until you reminded me. Yes. And then I sat down to do it. And within an hour I had that. Right. Right. So that's, it's an annoying way to work. And I know it, it frustrates, you know, my partners and probably my clients, but also (laughs) it, it, it doesn't frustrate me because I know, well, for one, like I think we have a good enough relationship to know that, like, I know you're not just going to leave me just hanging out there. But I also know that whatever you do is going to be quality because you're so anal about your own shit that you don't like half of your own shit. So I have to tell you that Way it's fire. Than that. <laughs> yeah. Like I have to tell you that it's fire for you to even just kind of be like, all right, fine. I'm going to just. Do it. And then and then it like then it blows in some type of way, like everybody starts loving it. And all that I mean, kind of the define the define love like work overall. Yeah, I would say is probably one of the top five creative projects I've ever done really easily because of the way that it, it came together. Like the whole album and everything is, is like the album is great itself, but that cover is, that's a concept that I've, I've had that idea in my head for years and And that was the first time it came to fruition. But like that idea, like that wasn't a new idea that was for you. That was because I couldn't think of anything else for you. And I was like, I kind of went back into it and I was like, this would actually work for this. Yeah. It's the same reason, like and it's and it's kind of corny because you know a lot of people will, will talk about stuff like this, but like Da Vinci, right? He had pieces that he would have in his studio for fifteen years that he would touch, mm-hmm. and he would go back and it would just be it would be amazing once he finished it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm making like masterpieces or anything, but I think that cover we did was a lot better than a lot of covers that came out for albums in 2018 there's a lot of shitty album covers out there I'm a lot of terrible lie. ones i'm tired of these polaroids and just the <laughs> please no more polaroids guys. <laughs> and also i feel like as artists get older their taste leaves so yeah. their design team is fucking terrible yeah it's it's bad like it's it's awful yeah and i mean I, everything's subjective and i don't like ever want to like nah, knock what some, somebody's doing there's some awful shit out there oh man. there is absolutely but it's, it's like all this like glitchy 
stuff, all of that. People yeah. are just doing it just to do it. And I don't think that they, I don't think they want to understand why they're doing the things they do. And like, that's something that I obsess over. Yeah. And I, I know that I'm like really hard on myself mm-hmm. in the way that I see things, you know, creatively. And that can be, uh, you know, that can be a barrier sometimes and that can really hold me back. But you're like me with music. Yeah. See, I don't tell you that, but. <laughs> oh, no, I know. You're a lot like me with music. Like I, heard, how, I heard at least 15 versions of right here. <laughs> at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and the final song is incredible. Yeah. And I was one of those guys that's just like, when I wrote right here, it was a verse and a hook. I didn't write the second verse to that hook until, I mean, until that verse, I mean, to that song uh, for three or four months. Yeah. That one in Pictures of You, I wrote both second verses on the same night. Yeah. I mean, I know that most of the album had been done yeah. like, when we listened to it in the car at my apartment. Yeah. And you added, there was things that I didn't hear until the final one. I recorded those songs in all of 2016. And when I started right here and talk about it, I mean, uh, no, uh, uh, Pictures of You, like it was like March or April. And I didn't touch it again until August. And, but it, sometimes it flows out and sometimes it doesn't. So like, I'll just, like you said, you have a piece that's just sitting there for a long time and then you come back to it and then you, you make it fire. So like what I'll do is I'll sit on it cause I don't physically write music down. Yeah. So I have to like sit on it and think about it. And then sometimes I think it's because I think it's going to be so good that it kind of scares me out of doing it for a while. Which is exactly how it is with, the work that we end up doing most of the time. Yeah. So like I, you know, getting, getting the post office, getting post HTX to let us run around for a whole day while I'm trying to figure something out. Yeah. While you're watching fight videos in the corner. Yes. And I'm running around an empty, terrifying warehouse with a flash. Yeah. Like that came out crazy. Right. Yeah. And that was one of the few times that something came out and then it just, I I put it up and it was a dud, (laughs) like a dud. And it happens every time, like stuff yeah. that I'll spend. And I've always thought it was funny that like, and people make people people make fun of this reference, but like Zaytoven always says that he never spends more than thirty minutes on a song. And I think you were the one that said it sounds like. It. Yeah, we can tell. But at the same time, like, how many plaques does he have? Got a lot of plaques. Exactly. And and he's and he's perfectly happy with the work that he's doing, right? Yeah. So it's in the same way, like. I wish I could limit myself like that, but I can't. Right. And so I am like that as well. Like yeah. people find um, nobility in the fact that somebody can sit in a in a studio for six hours and churn out 22 songs. Yeah. And they sound like you churned out 22 songs in six hours. Like it's like, oh, I did. Like people think that volume means like greatness. Like yeah. people think people people really think that it's like oh, I've been in the studio for three straight days and I'm like yeah like I'll get I'll get messages and they're like man your work ethic is crazy and this and that and I was like it's not like I work a lot but I work in in bunches yeah so like, there'll be a lot of time like I'll be lazy because I'll be so caught up in the fact that I can't figure it out that I won't touch it I haven't written a new song in months yeah probably and it's just a year and with something <laughs> like, um, and with something like that like, it's like if I'm if like yes you're seeing a high volume of stuff that i'm doing Mm -hmm. that's because i mess up a lot yeah and i'm okay with restarting like it's frustrating but i know that i can always make something better yeah and 
so I can respect it. But, and I think for me, it's like with my music, nobody's rushing me to put it out. Yeah. And nobody's like, yo, where is it at? Because I don't have to make the music for someone else. Yeah. But like when it's like you and you have something that you're supposed to be doing for me, like I might be like, yo, where the fuck is it? But then at the same time, I'm like, it's going to be fine. Like he's not going to give me some bullshit. Everything is fine. Everything's going to be fine. But I like to like press your buttons a little bit to try to get you to yeah, like jumpstart and, you know, uh, because I know what buttons I can push and what buttons I can't. Yeah. Like I'm not going to ever be like, yo, where, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. Cause you know how much I'm doing yeah. at the same time. I'm just going to be like, yo, where, where's it at? Oh, oh, so you're not, you haven't even started it. Oh, cool. <laughs> It's fine, you know. I just, I just, just let you probably, know I'm here. It's just letting you know the album's out in a month, so it just you know, no pressure or anything like that. Yeah, you I think have, we, I think we finished our work the day before it was due, or that morning. Yeah. We finished it that morning. Yeah, like the final, final, final. We got it. Yeah, and then I sent it off, and then yeah, and then had it had it on pre pre sale or whatever. But like, yeah, man, it's it's all a process. But like going back to your question, like I I think that the the one piece of advice that I would give to anybody that's trying to get into something creative is just understand the context of, of what's around you and mm-hmm. understand your tools as much as possible and just right. keep learning more and more tools, period. That's All that's going to do is push you forward. Do as much reading as you can possibly do about but don't do, certain but, things. And see, don't be a slave to the... To the but don't what, read to the point where you're 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 doing a lot of planning and not a lot of creating yeah because i had a i told myself i was like i'm gonna read 100 books this year and i got to like 85 last year yeah i can't tell you what half of them were called i read them all and i know yeah. pieces of each one right but it was just like the it's volume retaining the information yeah i mean the volume of reading that i was doing yeah. it gave me a lot of ideas and you know i write things down and, and things like that but it's not like i realized that there's other things that i could be doing that are more yeah, conducive yeah, to better work absolutely and like i'm not a i'm not warren buffett who yeah. tells you to read 500 pages a day like people see that and they're like well i'm gonna read and be successful like yeah. he's one of the biggest like investors on the planet he has to read that much every day he has to figure out what he has to know the news of everything that's going on so that he can see patterns and invest in those patterns right and not lose billions of dollars yeah. like with me it's like you know i'll read stuff that's like i'll read like a, a sci-fi book or something because I want to figure out that something cool that I could do with some shoes. Right. You know, like I have a purpose for what I'm doing. Right. And you know, as long as you know what that purpose is and you know what you're working towards, that's all that matters. One of these days we're going to, uh, you're going to have a hot sauce company. <laughs> I'm going to have my, very soon. my, um, whatever I'm going to do. <laughs> you almost, you almost slipped up there. I'm going to work really hard. Once this blows up, like this music, once this blows up, I'm going to work really hard for like three to four years and then I'm going to disappear for like a good six months. I mean, that's good. Like if, if people would just leave me alone, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Like Grant, why don't you, I don't want to, man. Like, I don't want to. Like, you know, you know, what's an exciting night for me? Like chilling with my rabbit dog. Like that's cool. Yeah. Your dogs, <laughs> your dogs. Yeah. She's a lot, but you know, borderline. She's psychotic. Did she win the? Um, nah, she's about to get this trophy though. The, the, that's the dog contest. Yeah, that's, she, that's she's she's she doesn't she's getting, win. She's getting this W. If All not, right. it's John Wick. 
It's going to be jo- Okay. All right. <laughs> cool, man. Man, I know I had you here longer than uh, you kind of wanted to be. Um, partially because we did 30 minutes of an episode and that it didn't get recorded. But, uh, you know. Um, so I'm going to end this with um, the theory that you came up with last year about uh, black people and brunch swag and the way that it works and um, how uh, black people take brunch a lot more seriously than white people do. Uh, it's impressive. It is impressive. It's very impressive. The boots, the hats. Um, and I think it. I think that's the reason the food gets a little out of hand sometimes. Because you're trying to match the menu. How this. about an eggs Benedict waffle, f- like stuffed with oh. Hennessy? <laughs> yeah. Like you don't have to put Hennessy doesn't taste good. It, it's not the, the expensive be- stuff does. It's not the best. It is not the best cognac. No. Shameless plug. My show in Chicago is sponsored by Doucet. Shout out to Doucet and the Bacardi, the good people over at Bacardi. So uh, remember that, folks, when you get ready to um, buy the tickets to my show. But uh, yeah, like you don't have to put Hennessy on everything. No, and you just just like you don't have to, you don't have to uh, like make like you don't have to make meals into cupcakes. Like yeah, Thanksgiving that's cupcakes. Like, bro, we don't need a meatloaf cupcake. Yeah, it's we don't need that. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, in fact, if if you try to hand it to me, I will probably murder your whole family um <laughs> like I, I get it like you're very good at piping mashed potatoes but you know it's it's not necessary we're not we're not we're not about that life i don't need a chicken and waffles uh cake that's not fun it doesn't even look good i just feel like chicken and waffles isn't cool anymore chicken and waffles is still wonderful and it, still it tastes uh, good but like it's getting to a point if i could get like, gus's chicken and a bomb waffle like i'll put it this way like roscoe's is trash yeah, it is. It's Gladys, Gladys is in Atlanta. It's trash. Yeah, yeah. It closed down. It, it should have. Yeah, it wasn't great. JR Crickets is incredible. I haven't had JR Crickets. JR Crickets sure. chicken wings are made by Jesus himself. They're the that Lord? good. Yes, the Lord. Jesus, the Lord? Our Lord and Savior, JR Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, stuff like that is, is great, but it's things get a little excessive. Also, shout out to Bojangles. They got great chicken too, and b- the biscuits, man. The bi- I had the chicken biscuit one time at the airport, <laughs> the Charlotte so Airport. It was uh, Charlotte Airport has got like the best food. It might have been Charlotte Airport actually. Yeah, it's like on, right in the, the layover. Yeah, it's like United or something. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a good, it was a good time. It's good. It was a good time, man. Thank you, bro. Um, so, Chris, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Um, I love to have my guests here longer than they want to be. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for listening. Um, what else do I have here? Um, we got our Super Bowl picks out of the way. Game is next week. Um, I was We were both correct in our Adrian Broner versus Pacquiao um, prediction. Uh, AB, you lost the fight, and then you acted like a child yet again. Um, Get your money, though. Yeah, he's 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 not. I'm he's I'm just rich idiot. He made fifty million that fight. I mean, I I take fifty million to get beat up. He's twenty nine. That's cool. I'll take fifty million and never never come back. <laughs> I will never come back. I will treehouse Jack. Like you want me to go get punched in the face for what? <laughs> I just made fifty million dollars. What am yeah. I doing? This is a fight club. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. Again, thank you so much. Um. 
We are out of here. We is uh we is gone. We is uh never coming back until next week. And uh hope you enjoy this one, man. This is Grant Tucker. Uh maybe we'll have him back soon. Or maybe not. And we out of here.